You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Easy to find John chapter 4. I could almost say, Brandon preached my message, amen, let's go get some lunch. But I want to expand a little bit on what Brandon spoke so well of about ex- extending the invitation as we talk about helping people find life. You know, of all the things that add value to life, somewhere pretty high on the, on the list is the privilege that we have of helping others. How many of you know when you help others, like it fills your tank? Would you agree with that? When you have the privilege to help others in some way, in a lot of different ways that can play out, man, it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel good about life, especially when it comes to helping others find life in Christ. When you have the opportunity uh, to help someone find life in Christ, you've just made an investment in their lives that's not only going to change their lives while they're on this earth, but it's going to change their life for all eternity. How many of you know that's a pretty big deal? And that you were a part of that, helping others find life in Christ. Well, if you're like me, you probably didn't come to discover life in Christ. You didn't come to salvation on your own. Most likely, there was someone or a group of people who played a significant role in you coming to the point of salvation, of you making a decision to receive God's mercy and grace in your life. It was probably someone who influenced your life, um, helping you come to that place of saying, hey, I, I need Jesus in my life. They helped you discover life in Christ. So for some of you, this is going to take you some years back. Uh, but I want you to think with, me, think with me for a moment about who was that individual or individuals who played a significant role in you finding life in Christ. You thinking about it? So who was it? Someone uh, right here, who was it? Oh, the one sitting beside you. So Patricia helped you find life in Christ. Wow. Someone else, uh, who helped you discover life? Yes, Miguel. Your mother-in-law? Wow, not all mother-in-laws are bad, huh? Praise God. Miracles still happening. So for Miguel, it was his, his mother-in-law, was that individual who helped him discover life. Someone else? Linda Linfoot. Not only can she make some good biscuits and gravy, but she helped Denise find life in Christ. Shared life with her and helped her come to that place. Someone else? Parents? So, yeah, just growing up in a home where... Mom and dad lived out the faith, and in that, it's just like, wow, you saw it in their life, and it just became easy to take that step. Yes, Natalie? Your husband. So through Marty, Natalie found life in Christ. He shared life with her. And we could go on and on, because again, we, we, all have, we all have stories. This is my story. I came... To find life in Christ through a lady by the name of Martha Brackenridge. We called her Miss Bracky. And some of you have heard a bit of this story before. But let me just, let me tell you my story. Martha Brackenridge came to the Ozark Mountains in 1942. And she started teaching Sunday school up and down this little creek run called Possum Walk. 
And it was on this creek, along this creek run in the bottom land that my great grandfather and my grandfather and his four brothers, they, they pioneered this creek run, planting crops, and that's how they were making their living. Well, Martha Brackenridge loved children, and so she began to go from home to home doing Sunday school on Sunday, inviting families. And in that, my grandparents came to discover life. In Christ through Martha Brackenridge. My dad was born in 1940. At some point, young in his life, he discovered life as well through the influence of Martha Brackenridge. Well, there are a lot of people getting saved, so Miss Brackey thought, well, we need a church. And so she started a church, the church that I grew up in, a little country church called Crabtree Foursquare Church. I was born in 1965. At the age of five, it was Miss Brackey that helped me discover life in Christ played a significant role in my life. I am who I am today to a great degree because of her influence. That's my story. It was that lady who obviously grandparents, my parents, and even in my own life, played a significant role. Again, we all have our story to tell of, of, of how others, of how others helped us find life. Now, as we have found life, here's the exciting news. We have the privilege of sharing life with others, right? As we have been rescued, we have the privilege and the responsibility of being a part of the rescue mission. In Matthew 28, 19, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he he gave us this challenge, this charge. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That was not just a a charge and a challenge to the early disciples. I believe it's a charge and a challenge to us today. Matter of fact, we call Matthew 28, 19 the Great Commission. It is the commissioning statement for us as the church. That what we are, we are living out the life of Christ in such a way that it's impacting others. In Luke 19, 10, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. If you can think of it like this, Jesus came on a rescue mission. I mean, you and I have experienced what? Rescue. Probably for most of us, maybe 95%, 99% of the people in the room today, we have experienced rescue. Jesus came on a rescue mission. It's changed our lives. God bless you. And now we have the opportunity what, of being a part of that, that rescue mission. We see this playing out in the story that we want to look at in John chapter 4. There's a woman that Brandon spoke of, is a woman who had quite a past, she had experienced some struggles, and she finds help. She finds life in Jesus, and then she helps others find life. It's a pretty lengthy passage of Scripture, but it's her story, and I want to read most of her story. So if you have your Bible, look with me to John chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Now he, being Jesus, had to go through Samaria. That's an interesting statement. If you have your own Bible, you might want to underline that phrase. If it's one of the pew Bibles, don't underline it, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. He had to go through Samaria. I'll come back to that in just a moment. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. A Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons, his flocks, and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worship the worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that. Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Well, the Samaritan woman in the story was really just going through her daily routines. Now, she'd been probably did this well a lot of times before to get water just to meet the basic needs that she, maybe her, her family would have had. But on this day... She gets more than water. She gets living water. And it was Jesus, it was this encounter with Jesus that, that changed the direction of her life. So Jesus took a common day and a common need, and he turned it into an opportunity to engage an unlikely woman to bring life for her. And it was this encounter that not only changed her life, but it impacted the whole community. So she discovered life. And then she helped others find life. As I was looking at this story, I thought, you know, Jesus gives us an example here. So more than just a story, it's a great story. More than a story, I believe that Jesus gives us an example, a model of how we, who have found life, can share life with others. Let me give you the four statements there on your notes. The first is this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into an encounter. If you look back to verse 4, the scripture says, now he had to go through Samaria. Now listen, no good Jew would go through Samaria. There was this hatred that played out between Jews and Samaritans. Uh, Like Jews hated the Samaritans, the Samaritans hated the Jews. Matter of fact, a good Jew would actually treat his dog better than he would treat a Samaritan. So there was, this, there was this prejudice, there was this social divide, there was this racial divide that was playing out. And it's because of this 
The Samaritans were actually Jewish people who had intermarried with other races, so they were no longer truly a Jew. It's almost like they had become contaminated. Therefore, the Jews, good Jews, would avoid the Samaritans. Yet the scripture says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because the Holy Spirit led him there. Because there was a woman who was broken in her life who needed to find life. It was not by chance that Jesus ended up at the well. He was like there on assignment, led by the Holy Spirit into this encounter. And I believe the Holy Spirit is still doing the same for us today. I believe if if we are aware, if we're sensitive, if we're willing, that the Holy Spirit will guide us. Listen, the same Holy Spirit that led Jesus is the Holy Spirit that indwells you, right? Shake your head like this, because it's true. Same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus empowers you. So what I believe is that if we're willing and open, the Holy Spirit can lead us to what I believe are like divine encounters. He can lead us to places like a well when we can engage in a conversation that can lead to life for someone. Recently, I was in a restaurant. I go to a lot of restaurants because I like food and I like hanging out with folks. I was at a restaurant that I go to often. And on that particular day, I had a server that I had not met before. And as I interacted with the server, I came to discover that she was facing some struggles, some challenges, and I was able to encourage her in the struggles. Not like I got her, you know, it's not like we got down on our hands and knees right there in the restaurant and she prayed to receive Christ, but I had a divine opportunity to plant a seed in her life. I said, I don't believe I was at that restaurant on that day and it was by chance that I had that server. I really believe it was... A divine assignment. You can call it happenstance if you want. But I really believe the Holy Spirit will lead us to those kind of encounters. That we can take the very life we've discovered and we can share that. We can share that with others. Not only that, Jesus took a common need and he turned it into an opportunity for engagement. How many of you would agree with me that water is kind of like a common need? Right? I mean, like, well, we, we all need water. So here's the woman going to the well to draw water because it's a common need. And Jesus took a common need, water, and he turned it to talk about living water. He took a common need. And in that, he turned the conversation to talk about, about life. You know, every day, every day we find ourselves in conversations and interactions with people that we're doing life with. When we would have that opportunity to take a common need and and turn it to an opportunity for engagement. I mean, we we talk with people about our family, about our career, about our job, about our favorite football team, our favorite food, our favorite restaurant. I mean, we have those kind of conversations. And how might we, led by the Holy Spirit, turn those conversations into an opportunity for engagement. Maybe you're talking with someone who who finds themselves in a crisis and you just ask this question, hey, can I pray for you? Listen, I've never had anyone say to me, no, you can't pray. If they're in a crisis, what do they want? They want someone to help. They may not believe in the same God you believe, and they may not come to the same conviction you've come to, but if they're in a place of crisis, listen, they're always open for prayer. Listen, they'll not turn you down. Just say, hey, can I pray for you? Or maybe it's someone who's processing a a decision. You know someone who's processing a decision, and you might share with them just a scripture that's helped you as, as you were processing a decision. Or maybe you're experiencing a time of like 
a blessing in your life and you're just celebrating that and in that you give glory to God. Listen, all of those are really simple ways that we can sow the seed. Oh, we take a common place and we turn it into an opportunity to share life with others. That's what Jesus did. As we look on in the story, we discover that Jesus was, was more concerned for a lost woman than social protocol. He saw the woman and the need of the woman, the brokenness of the woman. In verse 9, John chapter 4, verse 9, the woman says, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The woman was basically saying this. This conversation should not be happening. Like you being a good Jew shouldn't be having a conversation with me, a woman, much less a, a Samaritan. See, in this day, a rabbi was forbidden to speak to... Forbidden to speak to a woman. Matter of fact, a good rabbi would not even speak to his wife, his sister, or his daughter in public. It's forbidden. And there was even a group of Pharisees called the bruised and battered Pharisees. And they were called the bruised and battered Pharisees because if they were out walking down the street in public and they saw a woman coming toward them, they would close their eyes and keep walking. They would run into pillars and walls and such. Therefore, they were called the bruised and battered. Listen, I'm not making that up. It's true. Now there was this, there was this protocol. There were these rules and these guidelines. And what I love about Jesus is he was more concerned for the woman and her place of need than was about the protocol of the day. What Jesus saw is that she needed life. She needed forgiveness. She needed to be freed from her past. Again, he didn't allow the social protocol to keep him from sharing life. But I ask you this morning, what might happen? What might happen if we no longer saw male and female, or black and white, or Hispanic and Asian, if we just saw people as either saved or lost? People who were dead in their sins or alive in Christ. How might that change our interaction? How might that move us to share life, to share life with others? See, Jesus, he's also operated in the supernatural to reveal the woman's need. I mean, like Jesus, Jesus read her mail. He says to the woman, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're doggone right. You don't have a husband. You've actually had five. And the man you're living with right now is not even your husband. And I love what she says. I think you might be a prophet. (laughs) Don't you think it's funny? When I read that, it makes me chuckle. Like, Oh, I think you might be a prophet. How did Jesus know that she had been married five times and she was presently living with someone that was not her husband? It was by divine revelation. It was by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's how we knew. And please don't read this and think, well, that, that was just Jesus. It was Jesus, but it happened by the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And again, I said this earlier, but let me say it again. The same Holy Spirit resides in you, friend. The same Holy Spirit empowers you to operate in a way that's beyond that which is natural. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul identifies nine gifts or nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 
Things like word of knowledge, word of wisdom, miracles, healings, prophecy. And the challenge is, for us as a Pentecostal church, and if you're wondering, you did end up at a Pentecostal church this morning. (laughs) As those of the Pentecostal faith, we would say the gifts of the Spirit are for the church today. But here's the challenge, and I've been in Pentecostal churches my whole life, is oftentimes we relegate the gifts of the Spirit to a time on Sunday morning when we gather corporately. And I'm all for that. But I believe, I actually believe that the gifts of the Spirit are more for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and your everyday normal routines as you're at work, as you're interacting, that the Holy Spirit would manifest through you in such a way that you're operating in the supernatural and in that you you have an opportunity to share life with others. And be open to that. Be responsive. That's why the woman was open. She says, wow, I think there's something like different about this conversation. Well, she encountered the supernatural. She encountered the work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus' life. And in that, Jesus was able to talk with her about living water. In that, Jesus was able to share life with her. The woman who discovered life through Jesus then chose to tell her story. She simply shared her testimony, and it opened the way for salvation for a whole community. Let's read then toward the end of the story. John chapter 4, verse 28, 29, and 30. Listen to how it reads. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. You look on down in verse 40 and 41, the scripture talks about how they were so captivated by Jesus that they invited him into their town and he stayed two days and there were many who came to faith in Christ. Because of the invitation of a woman who found life, she found living water, And then she simply shared that with others. Again, it changed their lives. Much as it did, much as it did for Kelly, I want you to listen to this story of how Sarah extended an invitation, shared her story, and it's changed Kelly's life. recruiting for a job for somebody in Charlotte and I came across Sarah's resume and we hit it off right away. We became best friends. So three months later, after dropping a couple of hints and I was hanging out a couple of times, she was like, I just, I think Great Covenant is is where you need to go. Check it out. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know, that's a a pretty big church. (laughs) It's a little overwhelming for me. I was like, I just, I don't know if I should do it. I might be like lightning bolts might come down at me (laughs) if I go near the church. So um, a lot of transition happened over the years. So Noah's dad and I got a divorce and that tends to cause havoc. I didn't know where to like put my hand, so to speak. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know which direction I needed to go. And it almost felt like everything was self-imploding, like it was just closing in on you. Where can I find happiness because I'm just I'm not happy and I was super disconnected from my son and there was just a lot of disconnection everywhere but I didn't want to let Sarah down I didn't want to to miss that friendship or mess that up at all so I went and man, as soon as I went in it was it was 
game over. Um, you know, the worship team was going, and I just immediately started crying, and because all you know, in those moments, all the right words are coming at you, and it was the moment that I was like, oh, I, I need to be coming to church. That's that's what I need to be doing. Life is is great. Noah and I have an amazing relationship. I have an amazing job. It's quiet now, so um, but there's still things that are amiss. The faith has to stay continued. It doesn't just stop and, or stay that way. I can be myself, but definitely a better version and not as destructive. So it was like the doors were open and it was like, hey, come on in. Yeah, you're part of us. And it was like, oh. And it was just, just this level of peace. Wow. And Kelly's here this morning. Isn't it amazing? She found life because someone extended an invitation. She found life because someone shared life with her. So first, let me relieve the pressure for you this morning. You, you can't save anyone. I think sometimes we feel this pressure. Oh, I've got to save someone. Listen, you can't. Pressure's off. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can forgive. Only Jesus can heal someone's broken past. You can't. What can you do? You can tell your story. Let me just leave you this one with three things that you can do. The first is, is you can make yourself available. You can make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to work through you. It may happen at a well or at a Starbucks coffee shop. Who, who knows? You might be stopping by in, in the mid-afternoon to get a cup of pick-me-up. And it's there that, as you're getting a cup of coffee, you engage in a conversation that changes the direction of someone's life, simply because you made yourself available. Or maybe it would happen at your son's baseball game as you're sitting there by another parent, just having a conversation on a normal day at a normal event. And because you've made yourself available, the Holy Spirit opens the door and you get to share life. Or maybe it happens that while you're at work and there's a co-worker who's processing through some challenges. And again, because you're available, possibly the Holy Spirit would want to use you on that day for that individual. And it didn't happen at the well, but it happened at the water fountain. Again, simply because you're available. See, as we're available, I believe the Holy Spirit sets up divine encounters and divine appointments. So I, I don't want to make this sound more than it is, but every week, literally every week, I have divine appointments, divine encounters, things that I, I'm a pretty structured guy. If you hang out around me long, I'll help you get your life in order because I just think everything works better when it's in order. I'm a pretty structured guy. I go into my week and my week's pretty defined. Yet every week, I'm telling you, every week, the Holy Spirit brings divine appointments and divine encounters. Can I tell you why? Because I've made myself available. And, and I believe that God will do the same through you and for you. Well, that you would have the privilege of sharing life with others. So first, you make yourself available. The, the second thing that you can do is you can tell your story. 
I mean, if you read John chapter 4, really all the woman did was tell her story. I mean, she got saved. She found living water. And that very day, she went and, and told everyone in the town about what had happened. She didn't go to seminary and get a degree. She didn't go to like, you know, here's the nine, nine steps to sharing your faith. She just went and told her story about a man who had told her everything about her life. Could he be the Christ? And the town comes out and they discover life. Why? Because she told her story. And my story is really not real dramatic, but I was saved at five and I've chosen to follow Jesus and he's guided me, guarded me, and he's blessed me in my life. That's my story. Maybe your story is, is you were in a crisis and in the midst of the crisis, you were seeking and searching for help and hope and someone told you about Jesus. Maybe that's your story. You can tell your story. Maybe your story is, is that you were seeking significance. So you, you, you thought you'd find it in a career. You thought maybe you'd find it in money. You thought maybe you'd find it in possession. So you gathered, experienced all of that and you were still like feeling empty. And in your pursuit for significance, someone told you about Jesus. Maybe that's your story. I don't know what your story is, but this is what I know. God can use your story to bring life for others. And again, you don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have like great biblical knowledge. I'm not against biblical knowledge. Just when the Holy Spirit opens over, you just tell your story. Listen, people may debate theology with you, but they can't debate your story. Why? It's your story. It is. It's your story. So, so, so tell your story. Here's the third thing that, that you can do is you can extend an invitation. You can invite someone. I mean, again, that's what the woman did who, who found life in Jesus. Verse 29, she says, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And as she extended the invitation to the people in the town, they went out to meet Jesus and their lives were changed and they found life. Why? Because of an invitation. You know, this Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, folks, we've teed this up for you. If Nick Vujicic coming, if you haven't heard his story, if you haven't met Nick, an amazing story. A man born without arms and legs. How many of you know, if you don't have arms and legs, that would create some challenges in life? Nick even tells in his own story of how out of frustration and exasperation and and his struggle with with having the, the reality of no arms and legs. At one point, he tried to take his own life, failed in the attempt, but he tried to take his own life because he thought, this is too hard. Where's God? And why have I been cursed in such of a way? And in his struggle, Nick found Christ and it changed his life. And now he's been traveling the world just telling his story. Telling a story of the life he found in Christ. Telling a story of how in the challenges and adversity of his own life, he's discovered an unstoppable faith. The story's funny. It's, um, it's motivating. It's, it's um, captivating. So all you have to do is extend an invitation. And who knows? Who knows that friend, that neighbor might come. I know I've been handing out, everywhere I go, I've been handing out these invites, because who knows? 
Who knows, they might show up and it might forever change their lives. I know if you read this story in John 4, there was one woman who extended an invitation and it changed the whole town. Think about that. What might your invitation do to change change a person's life? And what might God do through that? In John 4.35, this story closes like this, and I'll close with what Jesus said. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Friends, the Lake Norman area is ripe for harvest. And there's people in your neighborhood, people you work with. There's individuals, students that you go to school with who don't know Christ. What do they need? They need living water. They need someone to share life with them. And so as I conclude this morning, I want to pray for three things for all of us. I want to pray first that we would have eyes to see. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see those who we need to share life with. Eyes to see like Jesus saw the woman at the well realizing that her life was broken, it was shattered, and she needed hope. So first, give us eyes to see. Second, Holy Spirit, may we have compassion that moves us to action. Because this is what I know. If you don't care, you won't move. Really simple. If you don't care, you won't go out of your way to share life with others. So may our hearts be full of compassion. That we would see individuals not as black or white or male or female or Hispanic or Asian, but we would see people as being far from God who need life. And the third thing I want to pray for this morning is that we would have courage to act. To take the next step, whatever that might be. Because I believe this week, I believe this week the Holy Spirit's going to bring you to a, a divine appointment, a divine encounter, somewhat like what happened for Jesus at the well. And when he does, my prayer is, is that you would have the courage to step into the conversation. So would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you today first for the life that we have. God, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that has forgiven us of our past. And Lord, today what I know is we are those who have found life in you. Wow. Thanks for your rescue. Thanks for your redemption. Thanks for your restoration. Lord, now as those who have found life, may we be willing to share life with others. Lord, I pray for myself, for all of my friends today. No matter age, no matter place in life, but I pray first that we would have eyes to see. To see individuals who need life, who are far from you. Holy Spirit, may we see them in that place of need. Second, may we, may we have hearts of compassion that move us to action. May we have hearts of compassion that, that, that direct us to engage in a conversation where we can plant a seed, where we can share life. And thirdly, Holy Spirit, I ask that, that we would be emboldened with courage to take the next step. 
And Lord, that next step I know is going to look different probably for everyone in the room. But whatever that next step is, may we be willing to take that. And Lord, as we have discovered life, may we be those who share that life with others. May we be willing to make ourselves available to tell our story, to extend the invitation. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.